Welcome to Executive Zen. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Taubman. Today we're talking about pushing through, although not in the way that you usually think of it. Uh, and I've got a fascinating guest who will help me tease out the uh, the nuances of this question of, of pushing through, of resilience, of perseverance, of, of breaking down our barriers, uh, and, and all those sorts of things and what that entails. Um, and, and before we bring him on, I, you know, I've been thinking about this question and we've talked about it in the past in one form or another. And it's always a fascinating conversation for me because, uh, we're, many of us have been, uh, have, have been, you know, led to believe that life and success are all about unrelenting effort and, uh, and that you know, we, we kind of take that approach. You know, here's the thing. If you're listening to the show, chances are you're a leader or you want to be one. And you've got a head full of shoulds about what it means to push through. And uh, one of those is about how you're supposed to be untiring and stubborn and unrelenting and, uh, and, and have your nose to the grindstone and your eye on the goal. And to be sure, that's one side of a success coin. But there's another, and it often gets lost in the conventional success saga. You know, you hear winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Failure isn't an option. Never say die. Well, you know, let's discuss that. First of all, raise your hand if you've ever uh, read Think and Grow Rich or any other books that are about how the way you think determines your reality, and I absolutely believe that to be the case. Uh, but often what we do is we program our minds, we condition our minds in such a way that, that we see, uh, failure as, uh, as, as a very negative thing. We see winning as the only thing. Um, we become depressed and despondent if we don't get the results we want. And it, it puts us in a position where it's very difficult to enter into the next challenge because we're carrying the patina of failure with us in everything we do. And I, you know, I'm speaking personally too, uh, looking back over my life at all the things I've done and, you know, uh, the wake of, um, of, of failures, things I've done that didn't really pan out, things that didn't get me the results I wanted. And, and what do I do to release the weight of those things? And I'd like to converse with our guest about that today because I think he has an insight and, and an understanding of the nuances of this and the wisdom of uh, of continuing to take good care of yourself so that that process toward getting what you want isn't being being uh, tainted by what you do to yourself when you don't, right? And so as I look out over the world as a motivational speaker, as a keynote speaker, as a mindfulness coach, uh, as a hypnotist, uh, as, as a business performance coach, what I see, uh, and is, is that we're all wearing masks and you know, we all have masks on that. You know, when you look at me, everything's great. Everything's peachy keen. How's it going? Great, great. Everything's good. Couldn't be better. You know, you meet people on the street and you see them just looking, they're looking good. And we're all doing our best to look good, to wear our mask of success. And, uh, and, and now that we've got social media, we have more places to go and, and express that greatness, that, you know, unflappability of our own, that, gee, we're just, just tremendous. We don't have any, you know, we have no woes. We don't have no concerns. We're not, um, neurotic. We don't have difficulties in our relationships. Uh, we are great lovers. We're, uh, we're making all the money we want to make and life is, is, is just peachy keen. And that's a mask because, you know, when you scratch the surface, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, when you scratch the surface, all those people that you see out there, all your colleagues and all your uh, superiors, 
uh, who, who look good, you know, the captain of the football team, the, uh, the, the CEO of the company, the, you know, that, that guy who's wearing that nice, uh, stylish button down shirt and khakis and, uh, holding a beer and looking like life is just fantastic. Uh, the, the guy that you feel insecure around is probably secretly just as insecure as you are. And we're all secretly carrying the weight of our own failure. And, and what do we do with that? You see, we keep that mask on because of the abject terror of what's underneath it. You know, what we do is we believe that secretly I'm inadequate. And so I put on this mask of, of adequacy, of, of mastery. I'm just fantastic. And, and it doesn't get you what you want in life, right? It doesn't get you to the, the final goal of, 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 Outer and inner success, happiness, contentment, peace. So, but, but it's a, but it's a close second, right? At least you look good. At least everybody thinks you're, you're happening. At least you're able to intimidate others. Uh, and maybe that intimidation is, will, will take you one step closer to your success. Uh, but underneath the mask is this abject terror that what we really are is the opposite of a mask. What we really are is insecure, uh, failures. We don't have what it takes. And so we've got to work really hard to look like we do. And, and I'd like to pose a third option that you are not your mask, number one, and you are not the thing that your mask is there to mask either, but that rather there is a deeper level of who you are. There is a fundamental source of contentment and peace and mastery and that the fear of removing the mask in order to expose your vulnerability is what keeps you stuck believing that you're nothing more than the thing that your mask is there to hide. Where what I've discovered and what I continue to discover and rediscover because I'm not that smart and I'm not that consistent that I will forget everything I'm telling you right now. And I'll go back to wearing the mask and secretly fearing that who I am is what I believe the mask is there to hide and forget that what, what's underneath the thing that the mask is hiding is something deeper still, which is my own fundamental goodness, my innocence, my inner strength, uh, my, my creativity, uh, and that there's a way that we can all reach a place where we have access to that deeper part of ourselves. So we're not living with a mask and we're not living raw as the thing that the mask is hiding, but that we actually access something much deeper. And that's where life really gets interesting. I just took Woody for a walk before this, before this radio program and on our walk, uh, because I walked out the door, uh, thinking it was going to be a shorter walk than it was. I didn't put on any shoes. I just walked this entire walk barefoot. So we walked about a mile, um, back along uh, the waterfront here in Burlington, Vermont and, uh, along the bike path and up through the grass and across through the condo complex and back on a beautiful road. And the entire time I was barefoot and I was thinking of the value, the importance of being barefoot sometimes. It's like, again, it's like removing the mask and then removing the socks. It's like grounding yourself with the earth, connecting with something fundamental like the earth. And I think that we all can benefit from becoming more grounded and being, uh, you know, just taking the time, go barefoot every once in a while. Just strip off all the things that you think are necessary 
and, and connect with something that's your source. And that's the topic of a lot of our conversations, right? Those of you who are, are fans of mine are fans of mine because we're getting down to the source, right? Executive Zen, right? What's the Zen? What's the, what's, what's underneath all the stuff that you think is who you're supposed to be and all the masks you're wearing pretend you're already that thing. So, uh, so I'd like to say that, uh, we've all got a head full of shoulds, uh, about what we mean, think it means to push through. We're all, um, believing that we need to be untiring and stubborn. Um, that winning isn't everything, it's the only thing, and that there's another way. And that's what we're here to talk about because, uh, because failure isn't a dirty word. We don't have to be winners every single second, and we don't have to be vulnerable about the fact that we're vulnerable. So we're coming into a break, and when we come back, I'll be introducing you to a new friend who's doing some remarkable performance and leadership coaching in what I'd describe as a more holistic way of business. And if you're stressed out, if you're unhappy, if you're confused about why your efforts have led you here, this discussion will open your eyes. So get some paper and a pen, take notes, um, so you can make use of what you hear today. I guarantee that there are going to be some ahas, some ideas that are worth writing down. So uh, get ready for that part of our program in just a moment. Again, my name is Dr. Steve Taub, and you're listening to Executive Zen, where we're here to help you lead consciously and profit responsibly. Our topic for today is pushing through. And when we come back, I'll be speaking with Emmy-nominated TV producer Philip Andrew. Stay tuned. back. This is Executive Zen, and I am your host, Dr. Steve Taub, and I am thrilled to be introducing my guest for today. Uh, Philip Andrew has made an impact in many ways. Uh, his television work, uh, Emmy Award, uh, Emmy, Emmy uh, nominated producer, uh, he's been involved with shows like Undercover Boss and Minefield, uh, two really interesting shows. And as a media consultant, he's worked with celebrities, Emmy nominated executive producers, financial advisors, pastors, uh, former inmates, on-air TV and radio personalities, and other experts to develop their on-camera techniques and become more effective communicators, both in front of and behind the camera. Uh, Philip now teaches high performers how to thrive in their business and personal lives and to marry their expertise and passion with their vulnerability and authenticity to create truly lasting results in their industries. I had the good fortune to meet Philip through our wonderful publicist and media manager, Jackie Jordan of TV Guestpert. And when we spoke uh, not long ago, uh, I got that I was dealing with a fresh mind and an unconventional thinker. Uh, he's funny, he's upbeat, he's optimistic, he's clear-minded. And as I said earlier, this is going to be a nuanced approach to success. So if you're not up for some deep thinking, you may want to change stations. This isn't the Newt Rockney, you can do it guy, uh, kind of thing, but, 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 uh, but someone who understands people and knows how to help them understand themselves, what makes them tick. So although I titled the show uh, Pushing Through, uh, it might also be more aptly titled Why Are You Miserable? <laughs> uh, because we're going there today. Yes, we're going there. Let's pull off the facade mask and admit that accomplishment has not led to inner peace and see if we can find ways to redefine success so that it includes what you always hoped success would be at the end of the rainbow and have probably been pretending that it is spiritual satisfaction, good relationships, passion, and inner calm. 
So having said all that, please welcome TV producer, media consultant, and performance coach, Philip Andrew. Welcome, Philip. How you doing? Hey, thank, thank you so much for, for having me, man. That was a, uh, it's such a great opening. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, I want to hear that. I want to hear this conversation. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can hardly wait to hear what I have to say, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, um, and, you know, it's funny as you, even as you were, you were doing your opening piece for the show, it was, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you're hitting on all these things. And of course, we're going to have a, a good conversation, but I always like to have a couple of notes just in case I, I you know, want to hit certain things. And, but it was so funny because you're, you're talking and you're talking about so many things that I had kind of written down. And there was a moment where, you know, my own insecurity jumps in and it's like, Oh my God, he's saying all the things I want to say. We're to talk. <laughs> like, do I even have anything to offer? What am I going to talk? <laughs> and it's like that, that little kid that, that seventh grader who rose his hand and, and got and thought he knew the answer and got called on and got wrong and, and they made fun of him. Like that little kid still exists inside of me. And it's like, I always have to remind myself, you know, not to be a people pleaser, not to just try to say things that, you know, but to really be of service for people. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. funny. It's, you know, we, we could, yeah, we could talk about this stuff, but the insecurity still lives within. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I get that. I mean, I, I live that as well. So, uh, and what's funny is, you know, I'm guessing that, uh, you know, I haven't done a full demographic, uh, research project and who our, who our listeners are, but I have to assume that they're more conscious than the average bear. But, you know, there's also, you know, as you and I both know, there are people out there who live at the, at the upper echelons of the business world who are still wolves. You know, they're still trying to, uh, you know, it's eat or be eaten. And so they sense and spot weakness and insecurity and they think it's, you know, that it's a, that it's a negative trait. And so, you know, you and I may yeah. not be their cup of tea, but, but by the same token, the people who are ultimately doing all the real work in the world, I think have compassion and appreciation for insecurity and vulnerability. And, and the reality is that everybody's got what you just described. Um, I, I was talking with uh, a, re- a recent guest. We had Catherine O'Sullivan on here. And uh, her background was Google. She was a, a Google executive. And, of course, Google's done a lot of work in the area of mindfulness and, you know, creating a mindful mm-hmm. culture where, you know, create a, a, a group of people who sit down and, you know, get that critical mass of, of mindfulness practitioners to meditate together. And and she did the same thing. She said, you know, one of the things about mindfulness is you become aware of the different parts of yourself. And she said, you know, I'm here and I'm and I, as I'm talking, part of me is, you know, glad I'm here talking. I've got a lot of cool things to say, and I know I do. And part of me is feeling like I don't know if anybody is going to appreciate me and what's, you know, I'm not good enough. And she said part of mindfulness is just knowing that all those parts are there. Oh, yeah. I, and I think, you know, it comes into, you know, just having different degrees and in, in, in trying to constantly evolve with self-awareness and understanding yourself. And, you know, so so much of, you know, a big part of me, you know, my, my understanding in that beginning of that for me was, was really starting to kind of look at these ideas of character defects, what are these things that I have that are natural to me that are getting in my way in understanding that I can, those are going to be things that may, I may die with, you know, I may die being very judgmental and self-centered and, and pretty, uh, you know, pretty much entitled. And, and it's, it's not that I have to look at those things and be victim to those. It's just like, oh, okay. I know what to look out for now. And I know when those things start creeping in, I understand how do I reset myself so that I'm not running around, running around my world, being entitled, being self-centered, being judgmental, uh, being self-righteous. And, uh, and it all, so much of it stems from just having the ability to really look at yourself and say, oh, 
that's what I'm dealing with. Not a big deal. Let's move forward. You know what? I, I, I love what you're saying because, you know, again, making this distinction since we started the show, you know, saying this is about pushing through. A lot of people are, you know, looking or expecting to hear about how to, you know, how to win at all costs. Uh, that's often the, the conversation that happens in business. And yet what you're talking about, you know, there's a certain freedom of that comes from, uh, from admitting your insecurities and admitting even the things that you may never overcome. It's like, I may be a judgmental mm-hmm. jerk for the rest of my life, but, but, but ultimately, you know, there are only so many choices available to us. One choice is to accept our defects and, you know, admit them and be aware of them and then change our relationship with them, which is what I hear you doing. Right. And another choice is pretending they're not there and, you know, living our lives with the mask and, you know, uh, nothing wrong with me. And I guess the third one is maybe you got lucky enough to have them disappear uh, or, or maybe you were lucky enough to be born without them in the first place, but that's the very, very tiny minority. So yeah. for, for our listeners, the people out there who are thinking, well, these people are being very vulnerable and sharing their insecurities. I mean, I'm, I'm not the kind of person I'm going to invite you to consider a new paradigm, which is, you know, start, start opening up to the fact that you are as defective as everybody else. And, and if you, if you start giving yourself some latitude, what comes with it is some freedom. And you may never change the things that are not great about yourself. But as, as, uh, Philip said, you may, uh, change your relationship with them. You can start to accept those defects. So I have a question for you. Sure. How? <laughs> How? What? What? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess I want to start with your, you know, first of all, give us a little bit of your life story so we kind of get a context for this. And then let's talk about how you and other people might go from, you know, being at, at odds with your own defects to embracing them and using them to make you better at what you do. Totally. Uh, I'll do that. You know, the real quick version is, you know, so, you know, I live in Los Angeles now, uh, which is funny because, you know, when I, you, you were talking about uh, walking a mile barefoot and I, I was envious. I don't know if I could do that in Los Angeles. I don't, I don't know if there's a mile of, of safe ground for me to walk on there, but, uh, I love that. But, you know, yeah, so I'm, I live in Los Angeles, but I was born and raised in Metro Detroit. And, uh, you know, as a, as a little kid, pretty stereotypical of everybody, right? Like, you know, I hung out with older kids, had that, those thoughts of, am I smart enough? Am I funny enough? Am I cool enough? Uh, all those little things that you feel growing up had that anxiety. Um, you know, eventually got to a stage where, you know, later on in my high school day, my, my mother actually, uh, got sick and passed away from, from cancer. And so I was kind of already a kid dealing with these, the, the normal adolescent not feeling, uh, not feeling secure, not really knowing what was going on. You add, you know, the instance, uh, with my, my mother on there and I was just a lost kid. I was kind of filled with, you know, I, I was overwhelmed by the emotions of life. I didn't really know what was going on. And I didn't really have any of the coping mechanisms to be able to, uh, process those, process those emotions, those feelings and understand what was going on. And, uh, like a lot of, a lot of young kids, especially kids in the Midwest, you know, shout out to my Midwest fam. Uh, and you know, you start drinking young, right? So, so a big part of my story was I started, you know, abusing alcohol at a younger age, uh, getting into a lot of problems. It was, you know, in hindsight, it was a lot of crying for help. It was a lot of, yo, I'm in pain. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to deal with these emotions. And so I was acting out in a lot of ways. And, you know, for me, that led to, you know, getting, you know, getting arrested, getting into, you know, some problems when I was 18, again, when I was 19, again, when I was 20. And then when I was, uh, you know, 22 years old, getting ready to move out to Los Angeles, got hit for a DUI, 
And, um, and that luckily was almost kind of the moment where something clicked and I realized, man, there's a problem here and I can't keep doing this. And, and I was really lucky in that instance. You know, I think I, I, I always say I'm so happy that my issues were with alcohol because it was so obvious that I was banging my head against the wall. You know, I was drinking and driving. I was getting into fights. I was getting hospitalized. I was doing all these stupid things. But it was obvious that something was wrong. So it made me absolutely 100% have to, to look at the issue at hand and start to work through things. Um, so for me, that was getting, you know, I got into, you know, 12-step programs, started working these things and started developing some of these coping skills to really start to identify like, yo, what is going on inside of your brain and why, you know, and, and how is it influencing you to behave and feel the way that you feel? And then once I started to kind of understand and, and hear other people, and I think that was one thing that I always in a huge, like, I'm all for therapy. I think that therapy is key. I think we all should be talking with people about our issues. But there was something powerful about being in a group setting where you were hearing not only other people my age, but when I, the first time that I heard like a 75 year old guy talking about feelings and, and struggling with things that I struggled with as a 22 year old man, it blew my mind because, you know, I always respected my elders, but only enough to where I wouldn't like push you down the stairs. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I didn't really think that you had anything to offer me. You know, I didn't think that you had anything to offer me. Yeah. And once I started to realize, whoa, there's other people dealing with some of these same feelings, emotions, the same stuff I'm dealing with. It's not all about me. Like, wait, what's going on? And I just got in like a sponge and really started soaking things up. And, and so for me being in like, vulnerability and I mean, vulnerability saved my life. Um, you know, I had so many secrets uh, and I've come to believe, and I've heard it, you know, it's not my idea. I've heard many people say secrets grow in the dark and they become these massive monsters that terrify us and overwhelm us and scare us to a point where they, it's hard to ignore them. We think we do. We think we push them into some, some deep dark crevice of our brain, but they're influencing so much. And so when I started to learn how to share what I was feeling, how to share the crazy thoughts that were in my head that I thought only I had, and I started to release some of these secrets, you know, you touched on it. You, you said a perfect word earlier to describe it. It is freedom. I mean, I experienced so much freedom through sharing these things that I used to have so much shame and guilt over. And, you know, I like to believe now that, you know, that mask, it's, you know, sure, I hide behind, you know, a lot of hair product. Uh, but but other than that, I like to believe that people know the real me, pretty much the deep down Phil. So um, I have a tendency, I can talk a lot. I'll stop right there and let you jump in, my man. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you actually raised a few points. I've been making notes like crazy. Um, you know, you started out talking about, uh, being a sensitive kid without coping mechanisms and turning to alcohol and eventually getting that wake up call with a DUI. And, um, and you said something that, that struck me. You said that it's good that it was alcohol because the, the effect was so obvious. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are walking around with, with addictions that aren't as obvious, right? I mean, yes. if you're an alcoholic, there's, it's easy to find help. If you're a workaholic, not so much because people reward workaholism. Yeah. Uh, 
right? Or if you're a, if you're a relationship, a video game, you know? eating, yeah, oh, love, love addiction, love addiction is is insane. Yeah. You know the 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 codependency, the needing the needing other people's approval. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, and there's a lot of things that people lean on that are actually preventing them from getting the real help that they need, you know, whether it's overeating, not eating enough people. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people always joke about the amount of like, you know, you know, mental issues that plague people that are in fitness, you know, which is crazy that now we have social media that, that fuels this desire to be, to have these bodies that look, that people admire, but you underneath it, you have a lot of, you know, a lot of anxiety and stresses and insecurities and people that are, you know, don't know how, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to fill themselves with external, you know, love and support of other people instead of being able to, to fill themselves and fuel themselves, you know, video games, it's, it's everywhere. So yeah, I'm, man, I'm grateful that it was, uh, you know, I'm grateful that the state of Michigan thought it was a, a bad idea for me to continue to drink <laughs> and drive. Yeah. And drive. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the other thing that really struck me because I started the, uh, the, with the question, how, how do you come to be somebody who, uh, who, who helps people in the way that you do. And, you know, through that story, uh, the two things I think were most valuable, I guess they're sort of the same thing. Um, the, the concept of the group, the idea yeah. that, you know, I'm coming clean. I'm admitting my failures, just like an AA, you know, you admit you're powerless over your addiction. Uh, a lot of people are stuck at the level before admission, right? They're too busy hiding out and thinking that that's strength when in fact that's the last, it's the opposite of strength. So then, you know, having the strength to kind of come clean about my life isn't working. And so, and then doing it among various kinds of people who can hear you and reflect it back and say, you're not, you know, you're not crazy. Uh, you said vulnerability saved my life. And I love that line. I wrote that down and it reminded me of this uh, line I heard years ago, which said, you're only as sick as your secrets. Yeah. Right. The more you're hiding out in ambiguity, hiding out in, you know, this kind of vague sense of who you, you think you are, the more pain you're in, the more suffering you're doing. And, the, and in all likelihood, the less effective you're being, even though you're working your butt off trying to be effective. Oh, totally. I, I mean, it, it really is a, you know, the, those secrets, they're, they're so, I, I think there's an inherent part of us that we all want to be seen for who we really are. You know, we all want to be understood for the person that we see when we look in the mirror, you know, and I think that that's the problem with the masks. You know, you touched on it so perfectly is we, we put these masks on because we think, you know, at a young age, somehow we, we thought it was protection. You know, we thought that there was a, a moment we were told that we shouldn't be so honest or we shouldn't say things a certain way. You know, there's a million and one ways to ruin a child's brain. I feel like at times with, <laughs> with the things that we say to kids and we mean, the, we mean, we mean well, but we forget that, you know, if you're a 50 year old person with 50 years of life experience and you're saying something, you know, so it's easy to forget that you're talking to a 13 year old kid that isn't processing things the same way. It might not take every message the same way, but at some, at some way, you know, at some stage of the game, we start to develop these masks and that gap that gap between who you really feel that you are deep down, the core of you, you, your secrets, your vulnerabilities, all of that, the farther and farther and farther that that person gets away from who you are showing up in the world as to random to other people, the more disconnected you feel from actually who you are. 
And the more alone you can be, you know, I have a friend who had a lot of deep secrets that he didn't let anyone know until he was deep into his thirties. And he described it as even when I did well, even when I had success, even when I was doing well in school or I was, you know, dating the hottest girl in school or, or people were, were talking to me and they were commending me. People could tell me these things, but in his head, they were saying that to the version of him he was allowing them to see. And it wasn't actually to him. And he had this idea that no matter how many times you gave him a compliment, in his brain, he still said, if you only knew, if you only knew the person I was deep down, you wouldn't say those things. If you, And that is, I mean, talk, talk about isolation, right? I mean, talk about really putting yourself into a box and feeling disconnected from everyone. In isolation, we're, we're, we are creatures of connection. We are, we want community. We're not meant to be doing this thing alone. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I, I know I didn't answer a question, but I just, I don't know. <laughs> no, well, you know, a couple of things. First of all, Philip, um, you know, I, I appreciate this so much because I think about like there are certain kinds of people in the world, artists among them and, you know, performing artists and people like, you know, people in your, in your work, in your world. Yeah. Challenge conventional wisdom, common wisdom, right? And we, we, we you know, like a, a great artist will do things differently. Picasso, you know, came up with a new way. And we, meaning people like you and me who are having these kinds of conversations, we're, ca- we're challenging conventional motivational speakers who bring this very simplistic one-sided message to the world about what it means to be successful and, and then ends up yeah. causing people um, to, to screw the mask on that much tighter because I've got to be like this guy. Uh, if I want to be successful. And, and so, and, what, and the, the flip side of that, of course, is as you said with your friend, you don't feel your life. I heard that in yeah. the postcards from the edge. It's like, I've got all the success, but I just don't feel my life. It feels like somebody else's life. It, it doesn't feel, it doesn't, I'm not fulfilled. Yeah. So you and I had a conversation the other day. You want to kind of reflect back on it about, uh, about how people experience, uh, a speaker like Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Remember that yeah. conversation? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and I, I, I love Gary Vee. I've got a lot of, a lot of different, you know, speakers that I follow and guys that I really appreciate the work they do. And I like Gary Vee, but I also think that there's times where it also taps in. And I don't think they do it intentionally, but there's times where it can tap into the, especially with a lot of, not to put all millennials into one box. I try not to be an overgeneralizer, but this idea that you got to be grinding, rock, grind, rise and grind. Uh, you know, like all the, you know, it's, you know, all of the, um, you know, motivation, you know, motivation is not an inspirational quote on your social media feed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's got to be more to it that's fueling it. It can't just be like what you talked about. These, you know, just, just do it. Just, you gotta, you know, you just gotta rise and grind. And in all of these very simplistic things, and those are good unless, you know, but you have to understand what's behind them. You have to understand, uh, you know, you can't just read one quote out of the book. You got to understand what the whole, the author was talking about, all of it. Um, and, you know, even there's, uh, not to get super religious or anything, but there's a Bible quote that a lot of people use. And it's like Philippians 4.13. And it's this quote of, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And there's, people use it as a rally cry, right? Like, I can do all things. The point of the whole, that whole verse, if you read it all, it's about you're good wherever you're at. That's really the message. It isn't go out there 
there and, and conquer the world and you can do all these things and, you know, rah, 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 you know, like, oh, it's, we got to win, you know, it's fourth quarter. Let's win the game. It's, hey, you can be ambitious. You can want more. You can want to accomplish a lot, but also understand where you're at right now in this moment. You're good. You're yeah, exactly. You're okay. Love yourself where you are. Be here now. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that there's a problem sometimes with these, you know, the guys on Instagram or the social media guys. And while I, while I think that there's a lot that it helps people start to kind of kickstart some of these thoughts, especially for, you know, I think people often forget there's a lot of people in this world that do not have not grown up with positive influences. Um, they never grew up hearing these things. So I think it is really important for, you know, the Eric Thomases and the Gary Vees and Tony Robbins and these guys to be, to be speaking these ways. But at a certain point, it needs to go a little deeper than just, you know, a halftime speech. It needs to be more and we need to be helping people learn a little bit more about themselves so that they're not exactly what you talked about earlier. Like we don't want to create these people that are amazing at living other people's lives. Ooh. We all need to learn how to live our own lives and, and find the things that are important to us. And sure, they might look like other people's at time, but if you are, and that's, and that's actually, and that's actually, that's actually one thing. I, I'll listen to them and we will figure out pretty quickly. You are amazing at living a different life than the one that you actually really want. And it's like, but as soon as we can marry the two, as soon as we can get you living the life you want, you are going to find success. But until you are actually being authentic into what makes you tick and what you want, it's, it's going to be a hard road. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, I see it come, I see it pop up a lot. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so we, you and I had a conversation the other day and, uh, you used a term and I want to, I want to, I want to kind of have you, uh, explore this with me a little bit more. You said something about interrogating our reality. Oh yeah. Can you talk about that? Interrogate it. Of course. Uh, turn yourself. I mean, I love, you know, I'm actually a cop's kid. I grew up, my dad's a retired uh, police chief from Metro Detroit. I, you know, I love cops. I love crime shows. I think a lot of people, we love all the, all the true crime stuff. And you know what? Turn yourself into an investigator. Be the good cop and the bad cop and put yourself in that hot seat and really, you know, darken the, you know, turn all the lights off and get the one spotlight and put it on yourself and start asking yourself questions. What do you want? You know, it's like these ideas of, Everything that you know, do you, do you know it? And it becomes this, you start to ask these questions of yourself. Why am I unhappy? Right? Like if you're sitting this and you're listening to this right now and you're feeling like your job, you know, I'm not fulfilled. Okay. Great. That's a great starting point. Why are you not fulfilled? What is it about your job? Is it, is it that you're not making enough money? Okay. If that's, then let's go down that rabbit hole. Why do you need more money? Why do you need those things? Why, 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 why? And, and I think so often in our conversations with even other people, we're always just scratching surface, right? We're having these very superficial conversations and that includes ourselves. We don't dive deep. And it's one important thing that we need to do is really start to dive deep and figure out what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Is that true? Are these statements that I'm telling myself inside of my head, are they actually true? 
you know, I have a, I, I have a, had a, a guy working with, and he, you know, he was, you know, five, seven, five, eight in his eyes. You know what? Taller women do not like short guys. I'm short. So that means therefore no women will ever, no, no woman, no attractive taller woman will ever like me ever. And, that, and he told himself that. And then he lived that. And then that's all he accepted that. And it was like, no, 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 no. Let's stop. Is that true? Have you ever, okay. So you, the, the fact that you've, and I know this is a, 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 an out there example, but the fact that you have said, okay, the statement you've said, no tall women, women will ever like me because I'm short. Excellent. Is that true? 100% of the time? Well, no, of course not. We've seen instances where tall. Okay. Then it's not true. Right? So can we, can we say that that's not a true statement? Just, and it was, and it's so simple at times to say it that way, but there's so many things in our lives that we, we think are fact. We have accepted a certain, this is just the way the world is. This is just how I am. Well, I've always been this way. I grew up like this. My mother was like this. So I'm like this. No, you hear, there are plenty of examples of people that grew up one way and ended different that they were able to change their lives for the betterment. So what we really have to ask ourselves is whenever you find these statements, when you have these things that you feel are so real and they, and they make so much sense, stop, interrogate it and say, you know what? And this is one of the most powerful questions I love. Does this thought process, does this belief, does this line of thinking, does this serve me for me to become better or for me to get what I really want? Does this serve me? And if the answer is not yes, we need to identify it and start changing that thought process and find a new reality to believe in. And it only starts when you start asking these questions and really interrogating what you think that you know. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, in, in, in the work that I do, that's, you know, partly mindfulness because you're, you're training yourself to look at what is. Uh, without, yeah. without it telling a story about it. And it's also cognitive behavioral therapy, which is like, what are the beliefs underlying this, you know, this paradigm that I'm living? Yeah. Right. And so the, I love the idea of the interrogation that, you know, of shining the light on yourself in a dark room, you know, okay, where were oh, you? Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a exactly. it's a great model. And, you know, of course, people like myself who are, you know, analytical and skeptical and want, you know, uh, want, to only do what's truthful, uh, the challenge to us sometimes is, you know, I can't change my belief because this is a true belief. So just to say that this belief doesn't serve me isn't enough for me to change it because if it's true, then it doesn't matter if it serves me or not. I'm in, you know, my higher, you know, purpose is to serve the truth. But is it really the truth? Exactly. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing that's interesting about this for those skeptics out there is like these things you think are true that limit your consciousness – are they the truth? And is there a perspective uh, or is there a place you can stand from which you can see that there are many truths and that there's another one that might be more su- suited to you? Oh, totally. And, it's, and that's what it is. It's finding our – it's setting up the belief systems that are going to serve us for the long haul, for what we really want. And I think that's another part of the interrogating the reality is also like really interrogating yourself and figuring out what is it that you really want. And I think that that's a problem is, you know, if you, when you're not living intentionally, the world will start to pick things for you. The world continues to move. It continues to spin and it will start to, it will bring you 
different paths. And if you're not being intentional about where you really want to go, most people are going to end up taking the, the path of least resistance. You know, you're going to end up in a job that made, maybe made sense. Okay. You're not loving it, but you didn't think you'd be in it forever. And then all of a sudden now you're in it for eight years. You're in it for 10 years and you're in it for 15. And it's like time continues to go on. And if you're not making decisions for yourself towards some greater big, you know, mission that you have, then, you know, the world will just present things and you'll take it as is. And it's really easy then to get in deep in your career and to be like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And in understanding that the fulfillment isn't there. And a lot of it stems from not being intentional with what you actually wanted for your life to look like. Which ultimately, I think, leads to crisis management. You know, you're just putting out fires from, you know, fixing one problem and fixing the next problem and, like, just doing the next thing and the next thing without any overarching sense of purpose. I remember hearing that quote. It's like, if you're up to your waist in alligators, sometimes it's, uh, you forget that your purpose was to drain the swamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, busy fending off the alligators, but you know, you had a bigger idea, which was I'm going to drain the swamp. There won't be any alligators. So, so let's create a life that, that suits our ultimate uh, goals rather than just, pre- you know, dealing with whatever presents itself, as you put it, like yeah. life just keeps presenting itself to you in some way. Um, and I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of fear in that. You know, I think the reason that, you know, I have a mission statement for my life that I sat and I, and I made and, and I wanted to do it for years. Right. And I, the reason I didn't do this mission statement is it terrified me that, oh, my goodness, I'm going to make a ch- – and this is – I'm sure anyone can remember this from when you were in school and you hadn't picked a major yet, right? Like, wait, I need to pick something that – I don't know what I want in 10 years, 15 years. Like, how do I know? What if I make the wrong choice? Like, oh, my God, there's all these choices, 31 flavors. What if I do the wrong flavor? <laughs> and it's choice paralysis sets in. And, and you can always change things. You know, I – the, so the point with that, so I was so fearful of making the wrong mission and then understanding like that I ended up not doing anything and it would make me over, I was overwhelmed. I would procrastinate. I wouldn't move on any of the, the ideas I had. But then once I actually sat down and I started to write out pen to paper, what do I want my life to be about? You know, what do I want people to know about me when I'm gone? You know, the, the, the funeral test, right? Like, what do I want people to remember me for? You know, if they, if I, at my, on my deathbed, if they say Phil was a good TV producer, I think I failed at life because that's not what I think is the most important thing for my life. So and I started to build this mission for what I really wanted. Life didn't get harder. Life, or at least life in a way got easier because I knew where I was heading. You know, I knew, you know, I had picked the destination and now I can start planning vacation because I know where I want to go and I can get into the details and how am I going to do it? But when we don't have some sort of a mission or a plan or a place we're heading, it's so easy to get overwhelmed because there's so many unanswered questions. And so a lot of times it's just find out what do you really want, write it down, have a mission, and then that mission helps guide you, you know, when you're in the rough waters. You know, it's I love the quote, you know, anyone can steer the ship when the water's calm. But when it's, you know, when things get tough and when life is hitting you and you don't know what's going on and, it, and you, you, there's an issue with the kids or it, with a with, uh, relationship or at work, or any of these things, you can silence it by saying, you know what, wait, what's the big mission? What's the big thing I wanted for my life? And what's, okay, now that I know that, how do I handle myself right now? 
now in this moment so that I know I'm still heading towards my mission. And it has made decision-making so much easier for me because I can look at things and I go, oh, if I'm not heading towards the mission, hey, it's probably not that big of a deal and I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to let it, you know, take take energy from me. I can just stay on the path, stay on the, the line, moving on the path towards the mission. I swear sometimes I, I, I host this show and, and I end up thinking, am I, am I hosting a show, uh, for, for others or am I just, is this just therapy for me? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is therapy for me. I mean, you're saying a lot of things that I need to hear that I need to be reminded of that, you know, I have a tendency to, uh, to go off in a lot of different directions and, and follow, you know, follow my, my latest, uh, you know, I don't know, dream or whatever. Uh, and sometimes that'll throw me off my purpose. It'll make me less effective. It'll make me more stressed out. So for those of you listening to this show, uh, if that's you, uh, you know, I think one of the takeaways here today is, is that, uh, it's worth kind of going back and reflecting on what your, what's your big mission, your big vision, and are the things you're doing supportive of that? Or are you just, you know, being led around by the nose by, you know, by the next, um, distraction? Are you, do you have, uh, ADOS syndrome? It's adult deficit. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> oh man, I love that. I so, love that. So, you know, so to everybody listening to this, you're not alone, you know, if you're if you're stressed, if you're suffering, if you're confused, if you're overworking and overthinking things. Uh I believe that you know, there's there are tools and techniques uh and and a way of thinking that isn't always easy to access by yourself, but with coaching and with uh with supportive people, uh, and with the willingness to be vulnerable and honest, uh, you're, especially if you're an executive, especially if you're influencing other people, uh, you have an obligation to be a, your best self. And that doesn't mean wearing the mask and, 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 uh, gritting your teeth, but rather being your best self as somebody who, uh, who's coming from a place of, of inner wisdom and inner peace. Uh, and I think this conversation hopefully has pushed a few, uh, buttons for you in that way to, you know, think about where this could go for you. What's next for you? Uh, anyway, listen, we're coming into a break. Uh, please stick around for some really salient points to carry you through this week. Uh, and again, to help you lead consciously and profit responsibly. And, um, okay, so we're, we're going into break. back. I'm Dr. Steve Taubman. You're listening to Executive Zen. And if you've enjoyed the show, please send your comments to stevetaubman at gmail.com and feel free to suggest a topic. Uh, and of course, if you'd like to learn how to bring me to your company to create a mindful, holistic organization of conscious leaders and fearless salespeople, contact me through stevetaubman.com. We always end our shows with a metaphor, a quote, and a challenge. And I just want to jump in here for a moment before that to say that uh, during our break, uh, Philip shared with me um, as I was telling them what a great show this has been for me to listen to, uh, about how sometimes guests, uh, or hosts will, will post a quote and something he might have said and he'll go back and say, wow, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> and I, and I, and I've been in that position too. It all comes down to flow, being in the flow and, and what it means, yes. what it could potentially be for you, the listener, uh, to just find yourself into that state. So you might end up saying some things that then go back and remind you about how to live the life you meant to live. Uh, you know, we're our own best teachers, but we need to be in the right state to teach ourselves. 
So, uh, so, so the metaphor I want to share for today, I'm a, I play a game called disc golf or frisbee golf. I never got into conventional golf, but I love throwing that frisbee at the basket. And you know what happens when you play disc golf is that the basket you're shooting for might be around a bend and down the down the fairway. It's not a, a straight open fairway, but it's usually through the woods. And so, so the metaphor is: don't throw to the basket. Throw to the next obstacle. Right? Just you know, take that next step. You know, move move in the direction ultimately in the direction of your dreams. Have a picture in your mind of what the goal looks like. Uh, in my case, the basket looks like. But throw to the next obstacle. Just throw a little ways and then reassess. Don't make yourself crazy trying to know the entire path before you start on the path. But stay mindful, stay fluid, stay flexible, and be willing to reassess, to, as as uh, Philip says, interrogate your reality. So throw that disc, get to there where the disc landed, and interrogate your reality. What do I need to do now, and what do I need to do now? And that will make you uh, far more effective in the long run that if you become one of those people who's like got dogged determination to reach a goal and you're never uh, watching yourself on the process of getting there. So uh, that's a, that's a powerful one uh, quote for the day. We all have, uh, we have all a better guide in ourselves if we would attend to it than any other person can be. That's Jane Austen said that. And uh, Philip, will you ever issue us a challenge for the day? Uh, definitely. And um, I love disc golf. Great. Great. Thanks. Um, so yeah, one thing I always talk with people is this idea of, you know, we all hope that, you know, we all would hope that the doctor is on the best of his, you know, the be- on his game. You know, we all want the chef to make sure that the chef is, is giving the hundred percent when they're cooking our steak um, or quinoa, if you're vegan. Um, but, you know, ask yourself instead of pointing the finger at everyone else and, and ask yourself this moment where you're like, you know, what would, what would every, what would my family look like? What would my friend circle look like? What would my organization look like? Or what would the country look like? You want to get really big. But what would my organization look like if everyone was given the same amount of effort I was giving? And really look at that and, and play it out in those, in those, in that way of if every single person in your department or in your company or in your sales team, if every Everyone was performing exactly how you did. That's a great, how that's a great that company challenge. now look. I love it. So Philip, uh, how can people learn more about you or contact you? Yeah, you know, you guys can always reach me, uh, at, you know, you can shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys at philipandrewla at gmail.com. I have a website, a blog, a podcast, all, all that good stuff. Uh, philipandrew.co, not .com. I don't know what happened. I couldn't afford the M, I think. And, uh, but yeah, philipandrew.co. And you can find me, Philip Andrew LA on all the social media platforms. And if you're, if you're listening to this and anything jumped out, or if even if you just want to, you know, yell at me and say, I don't know what I'm talking about. I always love those things. I always love to learn. And, uh, you know, I, I love this, the phrase, it's like, it's not win or lose. You either win or you learn. So if I made a mistake, if I said something you didn't like, I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to learn more. So uh, you, I can't wait to hear from you guys. Awesome. This is great. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, remember, folks, uh, to listen again, share this with your friends, subscribe to my podcast, visit Executive Zen on iTunes, or find the replays on stevetabin.com forward slash Executive Zen. Next week, we'll be joined by motivational speaker Dom Fawcett, and we'll be talking about command presence, a military concept that will make you a better executive. Thanks for listening to Executive Zen. I'm Dr. Steve Tabin. Have a great week, and remember to lead consciously and profit responsibly. 